nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Welcome back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer. Our uh, topic today is uh, dealing with pain without medication. So pain has always been an issue to human beings since the beginning of humans. We have consistently worked to relieve it originally with natural methods, herbs, oils, massage, hands-on treatment, and over time, many more intricate, imaginative, and scientific uh, ways of dealing with it. Think acupuncture, medicines derived from herb compounds, and homeopathic methods. In the past 150 years, while many people have continued with the natural methods and invented more and different ways to relieve pain that is not invasive, others have leaned heavily toward Western medicine, which has leaned more towards surgery and drugs. Money and greed have factored into a situation we currently have with a crisis of people addicted to opioids and other substances, originally to deal with their pain and now to deal with the addiction. My guests this week are two people who go beyond practitioners to a level of healers, using the modalities they have trained and learned and practiced over years and adding their own unique intuitions to make it work for each individual client. In the interest of full disclosure, both of these people have helped me as a client. So please welcome Michael Wangsness, physical therapist with Healthiest Optimum Rehab in St. Paul. Do you want to say hello quickly? Nope. Hello. Thank you for having me, Leanne. Um, just kind of excited to be here and, and talk a little bit about what, what I do. Yeah, I'm really excited, too. And Bria Anson, who is a rolfer and uh, has worked with several other modalities. She has a private practice in St. Paul. Thank you both for joining the show. So, Bria, say hello. Yes, I'm delighted to be here, and I think that this is a very timely uh, subject to be exploring in a different way. Yeah, I'm happy I, I to think so too. be a part of this. Um, I would. I when I first uh, met Bria is really how I got connected to alternative uh, methods of dealing with pain other than uh, the medical model or Western modality. I knew nothing, so I've done a lot of learning over the years and have found it to be very, very helpful. So Bria and Michael, I was thinking maybe. Um, well, first of all, let's let's get your biographies. So Michael, if you could just tell us briefly what your background is, how you got to um, doing the type of work that you're doing now. Yep, I um, originally started, um, I am a physical therapist, I've been a physical therapist since 2010, and um, got to physical therapy from athletic training background, um, where I never truly practiced, just kind of went through school and went right into PT school because I, I wanted more um, than, than what the athletic training model could really give um, give patients, give people, um, and not to mention the, the time constraints of, of being an athletic trainer. But um, the, this particular stuff that I do now, more of the, the fascial work, the, the manual hands-on stuff, 
Um, frankly, I, I got sick of, of treating people uh, for the same problem. And, um, you know, it, within the first year of me treating, you know, outside of um, physical therapy school, I know there were, you know, multiple people I treated two or three times for the exact same issues. And um, it was frustrating. Um, it was really frustrating. And, you know, in talking to other PTs, they had the same problems. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, having been slowly introduced to some of the ideas, I guess, basic concepts um, from one of my clinical instructors in school, um, thought, hey, you know what, let's, let's dive in, let's dive deeper into this stuff and, and see, what, uh, see what we can make out of it. Okay. And this stuff is uh, uh, strain, counter strain, is, yep. is what you're talking about. Okay, and Bria, can you share um, your? You have a much longer um, history, but can you share kind of briefly how you got here? Yes, it's interesting. Uh, like Michael, I have a, a very deep background in sports. I was an elite athlete growing up in Costa Rica, and I, you know, won the Central American Golf. Um, Tournaments five years in a row. I was an avid tennis player um, and was preparing for the Olympics um, in swimming in Japan. So, and I also have a big background in ballet. So that was like my whole youth and into my twenties. I was into sports big time, and of course suffered some injuries. Um, I went on to graduate school and got a master's in counseling because. For some unknown reason, I was always very interested in the body-mind connection and what it is that we're living with inside the body. How do these restrictions on a physical, mental, emotional level impact our functioning as vital human beings in the world? Um, I have a background in uh, Dean of Students' work in several universities and uh, then got into um, encounter group work Gestalt psychotherapy, uh, feminist psychotherapy, Ericksonian hypnosis, and all of that is what led me to Walsing. I think I was really searching for um, what could free people and deliver them into their greatest potential as human beings. I was really interested in what is the human potential. I think that would be the theme of my life. And I'm so grateful to Ida Rolf because she is the grandmother of all these different people who are practicing different modalities now involving the fascia. Fascia, mm-hmm. you know, 50, 60 years ago was like unheard of. It was like we only knew it in, in the anatomy labs when you're working with the superficial or the deep fascia, but we didn't understand that the body is a living dynamic uh, organism. And the role that fascia has in, you know, I just said that beyond the nervous system, the fascial system or the connective tissue system is the intercommunicating organ of the body. Hmm. That is now becoming more and more of a reality. And we have a, a symposium in, in fascia that the Rolf Institute brought about over 20 years ago. And so there is bringing scientists and and researchers and practitioners together to really have a deeper understanding of fascia and what can be done. So that's part of my background. I've been a rolfer now for 40 years. And very, very excellent at it. I can speak for that. So, um, well, it, it's, it's a passion, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really is, and, and that really comes through. So one of the things when we were talking about doing this show is we realized that for many people, um, 
like me, there wasn't a real understanding about all of these um, other types of, of um, health care or, or caring for people. Um, and so why, why go to these methods? Why not just stay with the, the medical model and the surgery and all the medications um, that, that seem so scientific and up-to-date? So, um, Bria, do you want to start? And then, Michael, if you want to jump in. Sure. I, I, think, I think what I want to say is that just like Michael was saying, he's trained in the, in the conventional field with, with physical therapy and doing his utmost best and that his journey led him to study other forms of body work to, in order to have greater success as a physical mm-hmm. therapist. I've met so many people that their success as a PT is not because of what they learned in their schooling, but because they've gone off and they've learned cranial sacral work or they've learned um, a visceral manipulation or strain, counter-strain, all these different techniques to help them actually do a better delivery system. But I think uh, that... We're in a time, I mean, I would say that since the early 50s with the advent of all the pharmaceutical medicines that have come in, we've gotten more and more into a model of diagnosing symptoms. I mean, that's the paradigm of Western medicine. You diagnose a symptom, you treat the symptom. And insurance companies and pharma are so interconnected with that model of you diagnose this symptom, you treat it with this. And so, consequently, what we have in our Western culture is we have this understanding um, from the public that, you know, you do surgery or you take pills or, you know, which becomes very suppressive, and it doesn't really deal with resolving the problem. And so we think that... (laughs) Yeah, it's a Band-Aid, and, and, and if you don't deal with it correctly, the problem continues to get worse. You suppress the origins of the problem, and it just gets worse. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I see that all the time, with, especially with, with opioids, with narcotics, um, how, you know, people end up um, having these long journeys of narcotics. I mean, a lot of people that I see now, especially after having been getting better at this work, um, the, the caseload just gets harder and harder and harder. And, um, you know, these people have had, you know, narcotics for, you know, 10, 15 years and, and not a small dose either. And, um, you know, they, they actually become, you know, hyperalgesic or, you know, um, their, their pain sensitivity is, is, is turned up. Um, it's just completely volumed up and, um, you know, every little sensation that they get in their body is painful to them. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. you know, it just, um, it, 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 it doesn't help. It actually, you know, creates more pain mm-hmm. by them trying to get rid of pain. Um, because mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's not a, it's not a good happening to go down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like with the approach of Rolfing, like what Dr. Rolf said is I think part of the brilliance of her vision was to not make Rolfing like chiropractic or osteopathy, a medical profession. She said actually uh-huh. clearly that Rolfers are educators and that gravity is the therapist, and that as Rolfers, what we're doing is preparing the body to receive the healing support from gravity. Now, that may sound like a very uh, grand statement that feels kind of vague, but she knew that the model of just diagnosing, you know, everybody has a bellyache or two or three or more, and that unless you treat the entire structure and align it, all you're going to do 
with different systems is keep chasing the symptoms. Mm-hmm. So with Rolfing, what it is, it's an approach to the entire human being. And she said, you know, the physical structure, the physical body is contains the mental, emotional, and spiritual self. One only, one reflects the other. So this was her understanding of why it is important to to create a, a much more balanced and sturdier structure. And that when you do that, you have a person who is mentally and emotionally much more vital, much more alive. They have less pain. Then they can move more into what are they here to do? What is their life expression of their potential to do? So, I mean, that that's really kind of the nutshell of, you know, her approach to the human being. And having a body yeah, that can support whatever that um, mission or what uh, direction that person wants to go. Michael? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, even through, even the coursework that I've done so far um, is, you know, it constantly kind of being drilled into us of, you know, I'm not, I'm not fixing the structure that I'm working on. I'm not fixing that structure. I'm allowing some freedom for the body to do what it's going to do. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the um, mm-hmm. AT still, um, Dr. of osteopathy, um, the, the guy that, that basically started, well, he started all of osteopathy, um, you know, in the 1800s talked about, you know, there is no greater hunting ground in the body than the fascia. Um, <laughs> everybody right. thought he was a quack. Um, you know, I mean, right. uh, he had another one, that the rule of the artery is supreme, um, you know, in that, you know, the best healer of your body is your blood and yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we just kind of, you know, tweak it a little bit and kind of get out of the way, you know, let, let, mm-hmm. let gravity right. work, let, you know, whatever. Um, but it's just, right. you know, it's really letting your body do what it should and, you know, yeah. really wants to do. Yeah, right. And, and as Michael, Michael was talking does somebody, about. Does somebody want to describe what fascia is? Because <clears throat> as a sure. nurse, when I was studying, um, we didn't pay attention to the fascia. We wanted to get to the interesting stuff, the muscles, the you know, the nerves, the blood vessels, all of those kinds of things. And fascia was just sort of something you went through to get to the other stuff. So, yeah. uh, Michael, um, do you want to talk so about you know, fascia? Like, sure. Um, yeah, with... Uh, with fashion, I mean, I know, um, you know, the, the way, and I know it's even still taught today and talking with um, a lot of, you know, physical therapy students that are coming through our clinics and, um, you know, talking to medical students that come and, and even observe the work that, that I do and that some of us do in front of our clinic, um, it, is, it is still being taught as essentially a, a connective tissue that just anchors things. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a cotton candy-like almost substance um, that, you know, slides and glides and, and has all these really cool dynamic abilities to, to alter its shape, alter its function. Um, you know, it, it, it can, you know, give you shock absorption. Um, it kind of, I know they, they talk a lot about, um, I don't know if people are familiar with the term of like biotensegrity of, you know, holding a shape. Um, and, you know, we're finding out more and more that um, fascia has far more abilities than just a connective tissue. Um, it is loaded with nerve. It has um, lots and lots of different nerve types to it. Um, it has its own blood supply. Um, it has um, a very rich um, like water supply to it. Um, and so I think that's part of the reason why people don't know about it, because when we you know, you know, did cadaver work, it was, it was flat, it was hard, it was just kind of 
it was a different structure um, because it wasn't alive. You're, you're working on um, you're working on a dead body. <laughs> absolutely. Right. And and you lose that dynamic ability of that body to to you know shape itself and form and all that. But in um, you know one really cool thing I know in, in kind of the pre-discussion we had talked with uh, the a French uh, hand surgeon, Jean-Claude uh, Guillain-Bateau, that um, this guy is he's filming live fascia in his subjects, in his patients, wow. um, you know, moving their fingers, moving their muscles, and watching what it does. Um, hmm. it, yes. You know, YouTube you know, a, you a know, Michael, video called let, Strolling let me, Under the Skin. That's amazing. Let, right. Let me, let me interject right here for our listeners that you can, on YouTube, access two of his incredible uh, DVDs. One is called Skin, Scars, and Stiffness, and it's Dr. Jean-Claude Gimbarteau, which is G-U-I-M-B-E-R-T-E-A-U. He's a very famous plastic surgeon, hand surgeon in France, and um, I've actually studied with him. And then the other one is Strolling Under the Skin. That would, you know, these are sort of the, you see the images of living matter architectures. And I think that you see that, you can see how alive the human body is. And, and it will become real to you that there's this absolute dance of movement going on all the time. And, um, you know, it's kind of like when I think of fascia, I think that, you know, it's, it's, um, it wraps and permeates everything in the body from the large sheets of fascia underneath the skin to all the microstructures inside the, the cells and even inside the DNA. So what we found is that even any negative information, whether it's physical, emotional, or mental, causes this tissue to shorten. This is what we found out as rolfers. So that this pattern of shortening is held and retained as a memory inside tissue until the pattern can be released. So, you know, as a rolfer, what I'm doing is working directly with the whole connective tissue system and indirectly with the nervous system to release these patterns. Now, with rolfing, we're not like, you know, there's the myofascial release that probably a lot of people are familiar with, which is different from rolfing because we have a very intentional pattern that we are trying to evoke out of the body. So there is a real sense of direction, and how we apply that with each person is very individual, but the initial 10 series, there's a specific set of goals that will unfold and bring the structure of the segments of the body into alignment. So it has a very intentional direction. So it's not just sort of releasing this or that, but it also has a very direct intention of this alignment that you're able to replicate. It's kind of like sculpting is what it, it feels is sculpting. like. When it's being when yeah. it's happening to you, it feels like there's some sort of sculpting of <clears throat> moving like Bria says back into alignment. Uh, Michael, right. from your standpoint with the, the fascial strain counter strain, how does that fit in with the what Bria was saying? Um, it actually, you know, and, and it's, it's funny because the, the more I learn about, you know, different techniques and everything else, it's, it's funny how, how similar a lot of these, these techniques are. And the ones that are, are, you know, really, really beneficial for people are so similar, um, you know, and, and just the, the basic idea. Um, so with, you know, with normal physical therapy, I would say, um, you know, if something is tight, 
um, we want to stretch it. You know, I mean, if, if your, your muscles are tight, well, I'm going to stretch the heck out of that thing to try to lengthen that tissue. Um, you know, there are, you know, even anatomists out there, um, I know John Sharkey is one that I've listened to, that, you know, he talks like, you can't really stretch fascia. I mean, you really can't stretch that. I mean, you're, you're basically tearing the muscle in order to get, you know, a, a lengthening or a stretch out of it. And, um, you know, so what, what we try to do with, with um, strain counter strain, more specifically now, we, we've kind of shifted it over to call, you know, calling it fascial counter strain or fascial strain counter strain. Um, we're actually looking, and the basic idea of counter strain is to shorten tissues. Um, you know, trying to basically reset a, a little reflexive uh, contraction of the fascia. Um, you know, that's another thing kind of with fascia that's, that's really not a totally new concept, but within the last 15 to 20 years, um, they've actually found with, within fascia too that, that it has the ability to contract on itself. Um, you know, and, and, yeah, shorten. um, and, and so, um, you know, uh, actually a, a rolfer, um, Robert Schleip, uh, a German, um, researcher, he was yes, a, I know him. a lot of years. I know him well. Yep. And, yeah. um, and, and he decided, you know what, I'm going to go into this. And so he started looking at, um, you know, different research and, um, you know, it, it, he is super fascinating to listen to. Um, but, um, so, you know, our main idea is to try to shorten that fascial tissue, shorten that tissue, um, therefore resetting any kind of a reflexive contraction or shortening that there is in the tissue. Um, so instead of, you know, we kind of say, you know, if it's crooked, make it crookeder. Um, you know, we're taking it into the direction of ease, not where it doesn't want to go. Mm-hmm. We want to take that tissue where it wants to go. Um, that makes it far more comfortable for the patient. Um, you know, I know, uh, you know, you can treat, you know, little old frail, you know, men and women. Um, you know, I treat my kids, you know, from early, very early age. Um, I have a daughter that, that was born with a club foot. Um, I started treating her, oh gosh, a few hours after she got out, um, you know, Mm -hmm. and, 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 and she tolerated it wonderfully. Um, you know, she just, mm-hmm. she just sit there and just, just love it. Just, you know, you could just see her almost kind of melt into some of the releases. Um, because it, it is, it's, it's just, it's very comfortable. Um, but it kind of is a paradigm shift of, you know, Hey, this is short. I don't want to stretch it. I want to actually shorten this tissue. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't need to, and, to make it. And so I'm going to, I'm going to interject here. I'm going to interject here and say that actually my own experience and that of Adderall is that Connective tissue is a very special protein that when you apply energy or a little bit of force, that sheath around every cell and nerve and muscle fiber and muscle and group of muscles and ligaments and tendons, those sheaths can be stretched out. And what we're doing that's different here in Rolfing is that we're creating literally multidimensional space through the whole structure. That's why there's a series of sessions. We're, we're, we're creating space from all the structures from outside the body to the inside, front to back, top to bottom. So they, it really, like Leanne said, this is literally a merger of science and art. And it's, mm-hmm. you can replicate this. I have clients in their 90s. Um, you know, my oldest client that I just worked on yesterday is 97 and a half. Four years ago, she couldn't even walk up the five steps to my, to my office. She had had two knee replacements, two hip replacements, back mm-hmm. surgery. She was in pain all the time. Within a month, she was back on the golf course. Uh, uh-huh. Yesterday, she invited me to play in a member guest tournament. 
And actually, we have won some tournaments over the last four years. So she is sort of like the poster child of her country club because they're seeing a woman that literally wanted to die. You know, every year she's gotten better, and she's now 97 and a half years old. I mean, that's what it's about. How do we get people freed up to the point where it's not about aging, it's about how do you live with vitality and freedom in the body. And it's just changed her life. I mean, that's that's the thing. That's why I'm working on this other book, that it's, it's important for people to know that age doesn't mean, hey, you quit moving. It's like there's a way to live vitally until you die, whatever age that's going to be. And many people stop being active because they have chronic aches and pains and dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting into the mental things. I'm old. I'm never going to get better. This is only going to get worse. All of those kinds of thinking. And right. then you have then the, the mental, mental emotional spiritual, thing. all of those coming oh, into yeah. play in yeah. what you're trying to, to deal with. Yeah, she told me she was in pain sleeping. She was in pain mm-hmm. sitting. She couldn't stand. She couldn't even go putting. She just mm-hmm. wanted to die. This is a person who's been very active all her life. And now she's enjoying, she has a passion for golf. And she's become like the rock star of her country club because, <laughs> and she's gotten so many other older people that were falling apart to come here right. for rolfing. So it's kind of we, like opening up their potential. We need to take a break. And so I think this is a good place for us to do it. Um, this is really interesting, fascinating to me. I'm learning stuff as I go along here, too. So this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And um, our topic today is ways, um, basically dealing with pain without medication. And um, my two guests today are uh, Michael Wangsness, who is a physical therapist, and Bria Anson, who primarily works with rolfing, but over 40 years of practice has brought in many, many other um, uh, uh, modalities. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Thank you. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. 
thank you for returning to the show and um, we've got much more to talk about here. This is really an exciting conversation. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. And we're talking today about dealing with pain without medication. Um, I'm talking with Michael Wangsness, who is a physical therapist, and Bria Anson, who has her own practice in Rolfing, both of them in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, and so one of the things we've been talking about is how um, in, in, integrated the body is and how it will always work to try and uh, fix itself or um, help itself. Uh, one of the things we haven't gone into a lot is that mind-body-spirit kind of um, interaction where Western medicine tends to just deal with the symptom and what is the magic bullet that will take away the symptom. But more than that is needed, especially with um, deep pain and chronic pain. So, Bria, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, I was I was discussing this 97-year-old woman that had such amazing chronic pain to the level of it being very acute, and that as she started going through the rolfing sessions, and within a month she was back playing golf, uh, the other thing that started coming up for her was that she had lost her husband five years prior. They had been married, uh, you know, at least 50 or 60 years. And all of that grief started coming out. And what happened was that she realized that even a lot of the constrictions that she had was all that unexpressed grief. And it mm-hmm. is held in the body. So that's a, a, a you know, it, it was like for the first time, she just really cried. And there was so much, it was replaced with a lot of joy and vitality. And so that's what I see a lot, is that there is such, like Ida Rolf said, the physical body is only the physical manifestation of what's going on on a mental and emotional and spiritual level. So that's one example in an older person that had a lot of history and the the deep loss of her husband. And also she had had a surgery of a hip replacement that was not done properly, so I had a tremendous amount of nerve pain had been to doctors and all kinds of therapies. So usually I end up having sort of what I call the last, this is the last ditch stop, you know, and that's historically been, um, I've dealt with a lot of people in tremendous pain and there's always a mental, emotional component. You've um, uh, brought up something that I had this idea that once you start doing surgery, that it limits or, or makes it impossible for the body to really be able to reclaim itself. But what you're saying about this woman seems that you can still, the body will still try to repair itself naturally. Yes, and it, particularly the more in alignment you get that body and the more spaciousness you give it, that's the whole gospel of Rolfing, then the body can start healing itself. That mm-hmm. is such a basic principle of this rolfing. The other thing is that we, we have a very evolved system of working with scar tissue that is literally painless. And so I've been able to work with a lot of people. I'm thinking of another woman who's in her 40s who had had two emergency C-sections, and um, she was referred to me by a chiropractor. She'd been everywhere. Her husband's a surgeon. 
um, here in town. And really, until she went through the rolfing, I would say it was like 90% of her pain was gone. And then mm. I uh, started learning how from a rolfer who's quite amazing um, to how to do all this very, very minute scar tissue work, like 20 mm. different techniques, and they're very easy. Wow. And that took the rest of her pain away. And then mm. in order to even give more resolution, I sent her to a fantastic chiropractor here in Minneapolis who is the best trained person with working with a specific microcurrent in order to get the resolution of scar tissue at a cellular level. And mm. she is back to teaching yoga. She is now uh, teaching gyrotonics, which is a whole system, a really fantastic system of movement re-education. Um, mm. So that's the thing. You know, how do you get people back to not only what they were doing, but even expanding what they're doing and truly enjoying their life and not wondering, oh, my God, if I move just this way, I'm going to be a wreck. Right. And this was a woman who had been very athletic her whole life. She's not overweight. She looks fantastic, but she was suffering. So, mm-hmm. you know, you look at any surgery, brings with it a lot of scar tissue starts being laid down. And unless that's resolved as part of the Rolfing system, you have a lot of fascial, you know, that scar tissue will grow. Uh, mm-hmm. and expand throughout the body. So, you know, that has greatly informed my work as a rolfer. I've trained in many things, but it's all in order to make me even more effective as a rolfer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I work with a lot of other practitioners. It's part of it is yeah. finding out who is the best at what they do and working mm-hmm. as a team. Right. So, Michael, um, I'm guessing that you've had some experiences too with people who have uh, tried many different things and not really gotten relief. Um, do you? Would you like to share something with that? Sure. Um, yeah, I would say that uh, you know those of us that do a lot of um, a lot of manual work, I think that especially as you get better at it, um, that is a really common theme. <laughs> you know, as, of you know, this is my last ditch effort. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I, I I've tried everything. I've tried you know what I can or what I know. Um, and probably even more specifically, what, what the doctors know. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Bree would probably agree with this. Um, that's probably one of our biggest drawbacks is, you know, the, the practitioners that are referring to us, um, some people don't have no idea what we do. Um, <laughs> you know, kind of the reason why we're on the show right. is, you know, it's, it's, it's such a, it's, it's a, a paradigm shift from the, mm-hmm. the typical, you know, Western model thinking. And, um, you know, so often we do, we get people that, um, you know, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've, I've, you know, treated people and just within like an evaluation session, um, you know, you just have a little bit of time to do something and they come back and they're like, whatever you did, like, that was insane. Um, you know, that was so much better. That was better than I've, you know, been in, in forever. Um, you know, and it, you know, this is as good as I've been in, in years. I just had a, um, a failed um, yesterday um, had this exact same situation that I was just talking about with uh, a patient that had a, a failed fusion um, within their back, um, and then to to fix mm-hmm. that um, because it was so painful, they added a spinal cord stimulator, which mm-hmm. only made right. things worse. Um, mm-hmm. And right. it was uh, this this woman. I mean, I, I she can hardly walk. Um, you know, she's mid forties. Um, has you know young grandchildren, um, and really wants to be active and really would like to work and like to do things, um, and you know is is now I mean coming in hunched over never never sitting in the waiting room, um, you know now I'm going out there and talking to her and you know getting her from the waiting room and she's 
sitting, hops up without a problem, you know, it just kind of jumps in. And um, I was like, gosh, you know, you really, you know, look like you're doing it. She's like, this is as good as I felt in years, like years and years and years, you know, probably Mm -hmm. well before surgery. Um, You know, and I think that, you know, like I said, those of us that that do this, this, you know, different type of work, fascial work, um, you know, I think that is kind of a common thread. Um, You know, and and often there is, you know, you know, kind of like Bria said with the idea of, the depression and things like that. I mean, that is such a massive driver of um, fascial uh, dysfunction as well. Um, you know, having any kind of a, an emotional state that that isn't right um, can cause kind of the reverse. Where, where you know, fascia can cause emotional problems. Well, the emotions can cause the fascial problems. They work symbiotically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nerves don't right. travel really just one direction. They go both ways, um, you know, and, and, you know, making sure that, you know, we do address that. Um, or, you know, I, I, you know, as she said, you know, or, or as a roster, we would say, we would say it's really cellular communication. That's why Ida felt that it was so important to free all the layers. That's what we're doing. And that rolfing is an approach. It's not like, okay, you've done 10 or 13 sessions, you've been rolfed, like a lot of people may think that. That's one segment into evolving that structure. And as people come back, maybe year to year for some tune-up sessions, or I work with professional athletes or musicians or professional dancers, they need more work on a constant, you know, monthly or Mm -hmm. weekly if they happen to injure themselves. And you can restore it. So sort of like Deepak Chopra says, and I think it's the best definition of, of health is that he said healing is the restoration of the memory of wholeness because if you've really mm. healed mm-hmm. something, the person and the body does not even hold that memory anymore. It's as if like when you're sick and you're well, you don't remember being sick. Now to me, that's real resolution through the fascia, through the nervous system. And I roll lots of people that have had lifelong depression, and the more they've had the rolfing, it just starts releasing so much mm-hmm. of the trauma that's been stuck in there. So many of yeah. the patterns that I actually, repeat in the I actually brain. have an experience that addresses both of what you're saying, what you're both saying. Um, I had a broken collarbone at age two, so essentially pre-verbal. And that broken collarbone, uh, not having been repaired at the time, uh, just kind of kept causing other and other and more and more and more problems as I went along as I grew and et cetera. And then during a session with Bria, um, <clears throat> I had, when she was rolfing around the area of that broken collarbone, I started to have a, a, a flashback. I was experiencing right. it as that child. I still didn't have any kind of verbal way of experiencing uh, you know, explaining it, all I knew was that I was in extraordinary uh, mental emotional pain and didn't know what to do with it. And so um, Bria was able to, you know, both work with me, but also let it come through, not, you know, try to stop it or, you know, force it back right. or whatever, but actually right. for the first time in my life to actually be able to let it come through and out. Right, and you don't want to suppress those emotions that are trapped. That emotional outburst or expression is the resolution out of the nervous system. It's like titrating the trauma out of the body. And Mm -hmm. that's so much that we're also doing. There's so many multiple levels of 
release and information. That's what's happening. And, and actually, my experience is that the more people do rolfing, it's almost like they enter more, they're, they're resolving the initial pain or structural issues, and they start moving more into, hey, what is it that I really want to do in my life? Hey, mm-hmm. am I in a relationship that really supports who I am and want to become? All of those things come into play mm-hmm. as you get more connected to yourself. I mean, that's part of the key. And I think that the way our Western medicine is designed, we're not teaching people as a culture how to listen to what's going on in their bodies, much less how to address it or how right. to empower them, right? Mm-hmm. Michael, uh, what are your thoughts about this? I, uh, you're saying it all. You know, I mean, it, it's, um, you know, making sure that, you know, what, what, whatever modality you're using that, you know, it, and, you know, you even get a, an emotion that comes up anywhere, you know, don't suppress it because it, it really does, it really does affect your, your physical. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things, you know, especially when I pick up on, on anything, you know, in the first session is, is making sure to tell people, you know, as, as we're working on you, you could get these, you know, flashbacks, kind of like you had, Leanne. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you could, you mm-hmm. can get these, these emotions, and, and you're not going to have any idea. And you know, you may get mm-hmm. angry. You might start to cry. Mm-hmm. You might, mm-hmm. you know, shake violently. Um, you might do all kinds mm-hmm. of weird things that you think is is really odd. Um, but to us, it's not. You know, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's 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 great. It's expression of what was was mm-hmm. really you know just deep rooted in your tissues. Um, you know, and, and it, it needs to come out. Right. And, and I'll also say, I will say this, that in the beginning years of myself as a rolfer, it seemed like there were a tremendous amount of, like, these very radical outbursts. And I felt like, this is very interesting, that the more rolfing and cranial work and acupuncture and psychotherapy that I did on myself or with myself, mm. for myself that what would happen is that I would see deeper, I might see one tear come out of an eye, and I would feel like this deeper um, change go on in the nervous system. So Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, we can get attached or think, I would say that most of the release that happens now, I'd say especially the last 20 years, I don't have that kind of emotional outburst here. Because I think that more and more I have become a clear vessel. And, and then also the way I am delivering the role thing, I'm not into this like just 10 sessions. I may have to do 13, 15, or 18 sessions to accomplish those 10 sessions because mm-hmm. it's all about accomplishing the goals of the session with each person. And you have to titrate trauma out of the body I feel at the rate of change that that person can, can deal handle, with. Yeah. and and Only do actually that is, that's what allows the structure to really maintain itself. If you go in too deep, make too much change, it's too much of a threat. The nervous mm-hmm. system can't handle that. So you know that's another thing that I have learned in my own evolution as a practitioner that the most important thing is for me to keep evolving myself and being mm-hmm. on that growing edge, healing my own self. And I think all of us here on this planet, we're all carrying tremendous trauma. Right. We have 
cultural and historical and family traumas, and no one's talking about it. So mm-hmm. that's all in there. It actually brings us back to where we started with this, with um, all of the opioid addiction that we are seeing. Um, I just see so many different places, even as people talk. Um, if they start to become even the least little bit emotional, uh, they apologize. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I'm, right. I'm so sorry right. that I'm, right. you know, expressing this. Michael? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm laughing because it, 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 oh. I have it on a daily basis. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I just feel like this is what's happening. Um, People, as they become addicted to the opioids, again, nobody wants them to actually bring out what it is. It's like the, the addiction is the symptom, not the cause. And, and we're, right. we're not getting at what are those traumas that have to come up and out and encouraging people to actually do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject something here. My first client this morning, I was talking with her about this program, and she works with helping to retrain parents how to deal with, quote, kids that are acting out, right? Mm-hmm. There's all this acting out in the family. And, of course, mm-hmm. it's all being modeled by the parents. And one of the things that she said is that she just recently read a piece of research saying that 70% of the people in the U.S. are on meds for anxiety and depression. Now, Mm -hmm. what does that do? That only suppresses, we have all this suppression of mental, emotional stuff that gets lodged in the body and creates all kinds of structural, you know, you, the rounded shoulders, the collapsed chest, the, the, all, all of that depression, Ida saw being it held in the structure. Um, she became famous out at Esalen in the 60s dealing with people like Fritz Perls, who developed gestalt psychotherapy, uh, Carl Rogers with the encounter movement, they all started seeing and through their own experiences of being wrong, that the deepest release to truly have real release was held in the armor of the body, you know, the whole mm-hmm. system of bioenergetics. So that's what kind of gave Rolfinger structural integration that sort of debut into the greater world of the realm of psychotherapy because people have suppressed so much. And, mm-hmm. and, we, and we're in a culture that more and more since 1952, uh, um, you know, with these different reports, there was a suppression of things like homeopathic, classical homeopathy, which mm-hmm. was, you know, practiced in the United States and almost every major university had departments of homeopathic medicine. And after 1952, with the Flexner Report, all of that pharma came out, the AMA came out and said, that's all bogus medicine. Now, more and more doctors are saying, you know, even the president of the Minnesota Holistic Medical Doctors is saying, most of all, pain and illness is chronic. And as doctors, you know, we've got surgery. Uh, They're starting to get into food as medicine. But Mm -hmm. they're looking to people like us, like Michael and us and myself, to solutions that are long-lasting. Mm-hmm. So it's a big educational um, pioneering that we have to do again because there's mm-hmm. been so much suppression in our country. Michael, do you have a thought on this before we're, we're kind of getting toward the end of our session here? And before we walk away, I want to make sure you have a chance to um, say something on, on that this topic we've been talking about. 
No, I, I, I mean, I completely agree with the idea of the suppression and, and you, know, you know, us trying to use essentially, you know, narcotics, opioids to, to literally suppress. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I always kind of use, use the idea, you know, really try to, you know, drive home within sessions of, you know, how opioids and, and narcotics and, you know, medications in general, I mean, how they really just um, block the signals that are, that are natural and normal to us and are very good for us. You know, stress mm-hmm. is a very mm-hmm. good thing in our body. Um, you know, pain is an extremely good thing in our body. Um, you know, I don't right. want to put my hand on the stove and leave it there. That's terrible. Um, you know, those, those right. people that have the diseases where they don't feel pain, I, I can't even uh-huh. fathom how unbelievably horrible that would be. Um, you know, so I, I don't, you know, it, it's, it's, it does. It needs to be, um, you know, a, a really big um, education to... You know, I say, you know, the, the medical doctors, um, you know, other physical therapists, other, other manual therapists, um, I mean, everybody, you know, chiropractors, mm-hmm. um, acupuncturists, just to know mm-hmm. that, I mean, there's, there's just, there's so much more out mm-hmm. there than mm-hmm. what we've been, you know, what has been drilled into our heads is available. You know, the idea mm-hmm. of homeopathy being, you know, quackery. That, that, that's, you know, it's coming out now, and, and the more research and everything is coming out, I mean, that's, that's an insane insane statement. Um, yeah. but, you know, you know, that, that has been the thing with medical um, profession for a long time. If we can't see it, touch it, taste it, uh, prove it in some way with a test or something else, it doesn't exist. And mm-hmm. we know that's not he, true. Right. Leanne, I want to I make mention of the very last client I did before this radio program is a woman who'd had two hip replacements. And I talked to her about what did they give you in terms of, of uh, pain medications? And she said, you know, she's very much a person into natural uh, things, but she said she was on oxycodone for three days. And she says if she had not, she's not a fan of that kind of thing, but she said without that, she wouldn't have been able to sleep. She would have been in pain. Oh, you know, absolutely. That, it's a great so, thing. So, so the... You know, that's a very, I just don't want to make it sound Mm -hmm. like we're trying to slam it, but there is a very appropriate, uh, uh, you know, prescription for short-term use of these medications to help people in that healing process where, number one, sleep is the most important thing, she said, for her to be able to heal, right? And if she's in constant pain, that's totally throws the nervous system out, right. then you develop a whole PTSD, and then you've got everything firing, right? I am so then so you've got a real problem to have to stop us, but we are really coming to the end. And I wanted to give each of you at least a minute to be able to say, you know, what do you want to leave? If there's one thing you want to leave with the people that are listening, nurses, healthcare providers, doctors, whoever is out there, uh, Michael, what is it that you would like them to know? Um, the biggest thing is, is that there's, um, there's more out there. Um, you know, I mean, you, you think you may have, have been able to tap into every resource that's out there. Um, you know, there, there really is more. Um, and, you know, even if there isn't uh, a ton of research out there, you know, even with the fascial strain counter strain work that I do, um, there's not much research. But the thing is, it, it's still being developed. Um, you know, the, the developer, um, thanks to you know, Brian Tucky out in the Baltimore area, um, he's still developing the techniques. Um, you know, so, I mean, there are multiple classes that haven't even been taught yet. 
Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's you know it's it's gaining traction. It, it's it's you know it's kind of coming out here, but you know even I'm sure Rolfing there's there's not great research for cranial sacral visceral manipulation. Anything you know I mean truly good research, which what um, you mm-hmm. know evidence based practice Bria, people would say. Can, right, you know, Bria, that, so. Can I give you a minute okay. and, and literally a minute? Yes, uh, I I think what I'd like to leave the listeners with is a very um, key quote from writer Ida Rolf. And I'm just going to read it because I feel like this really encapsulates the, the, the essence of rolfing. And, and here it is. It says, some individuals may perceive their losing fight with gravity as a sharp pain in their back, others as the unflattering contour of their body, others as constant fatigue, yet others as an unrelentingly threatening environment. Those over 40 may call it old age. And yet all these signals may be pointing to a single problem so prominent in their own structure as well as others that it has been ignored. They are off balance. They are at war with gravity. And I think that that's what invites that, you know, um, mm-hmm. symptom-oriented, you know, yes. find, try to find the bullet that fixes. Well, but it's a process. I just want to thank both of you. This has been a fascinating, interesting conversation. Um, like I said, I'm learning things that I haven't learned before. I'm hoping that um, other people out there listening, I'm having this um, uh, heretical idea of, you know, bringing more of this type of therapy into uh, places who are dealing with uh, uh, chronic addiction and chronic pain and all of those things. So this has been Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the world of nursing. I am Leanne Meyer. I have just been talking with Michael Wangsness, who is a physical therapist, and Bria Anson, who is uh, uh, has her own practice as a rolfer for the past 40 years. Thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.